for all of us, probably but one in this room, it is going back to when you were 17, okay? Some of you have to go back further than others, okay? But cast your mind back to when you were 17, and the summer uh, when you were 17. I don't know if this, that was a memorable summer for you, if you can remember uh, what you were doing. But I imagine, uh, for many of you, you didn't have too many cares or worries in the world. Perhaps some of you did. Perhaps you did have big cares and worries. But for many 17-year-olds, all of life is ahead of them. What are they going to do? What are they going to be? What will their life's work be? And they're here on earth just to enjoy life and to look forward. They've got all of it ahead and they're going to enjoy life ahead of them. That's what it is for many uh, 17-year-olds in the world today. And so it was for one 17-year-old girl, 17, 2nd of June, 2015. And she was enjoying life. She'd gone with her friends to Alton Towers and enjoying life on a hot summer's day in June. And it got to 2 o'clock and she's in the queue for the next roller coaster ride. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this story. If you can remember the news story from a few years back. Two o'clock comes and she's nearing the front of the queue. Five past two. And she's right at the front of the queue. She can choose anywhere on that roller coaster to sit. And she sits in the front row of the Smiler ride. You can remember the news story. And at nine minutes past two, the whole of Alton Towers heard a huge bang as that ride crashed into an empty cart and a tragic accident happened. And for that girl, age 17, life was transformed forever. In an instant, in that moment, life was never the same again for that girl. Both her legs had to be amputated, along with her friend who was 19. Both her, both her legs are amputated. Life was never the same again for, that, for those two girls who were sat on the front of that ride. Everything in their life was changed. How could anything possibly be the same again after what happened? And in that moment, every single area of their life was affected. Their work, they couldn't walk anymore. A tragic accident, everything in life profoundly affected. No area of life would have been untouched for those two girls. You can remember the story, a tragic, tragic accident. But if you're a Christian, and we've touched on this already, if you're a Christian, if you have come to the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, if you've trusted him as your saviour, if you've taken his death on the cross on your behalf and come to him, every area and every moment of your life is transformed. Wonderfully, it's not in a negative way as it was for those uh, two girls. But every area of your life is transformed for the better. Yes, life sometimes is difficult and there are trials that come along with being a Christian, but your life is transformed for the better when you come to Christ. You're a new person. 2 Corinthians 5, a famous verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new person if you have become a Christian, if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And no area of your life is to remain untouched. Every single area of your life is to be transformed by Jesus Christ. Your actions, your thoughts, your desires, your words, everything is utterly transformed by Jesus Christ. And ultimately your future is completely changed. Destined for hell to destined for heaven. Everything has been transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're a Christian here tonight, God hasn't finished the work in you. If you're a Christian and you're still alive, God has not finished his work in you. He didn't save you and say, that's it, I'm done, the work is finished. He's continuing to work in your life. He's continuing to transform you and make you the new person that he wants you to be. God isn't done with you yet. Your life is not your own. Again, we touched on this this morning. By creation, God has a say on how you are to live. He made you. But when you become a Christian, God has a say on how you live because he brought you back. So you're twice you belong to God by creation and by redemption. He brought you back. When you buy something, if you buy, go to the shops and buy some food, buy some sandwiches, you can do with them what you please. You can eat them if you want. If you want to, you can throw them in the bin. If you want to, you can put them in the freezer and eat them later. If you want to, you can feed them to the seagulls. But the point is those sandwiches are yours to do with what you please. You've bought them from the shop. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross for your sins, he bought you. And you're to please him in how you live. But what does that transformed life look like? Paul, in the book of Ephesians, the first half, he's been speaking about what Christ has done. He's spoken about all the blessings we have in Christ. He's spoken about how it's by grace we have been saved, through faith, nothing of ourselves. And then in chapter 4 onwards, he's going to say, well, how should you live in the light of what Christ has done? If Christ has paid for your wrong, how do you then live? And we'll look at one aspect of it tonight. Your life should be one where there is unity with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the first aspect that Paul touches on here. He'll go on to talk about many other things in the rest of chapter 4 and 5 and onwards. But the first thing that Paul comes to is the transformed Christian life should be one where you're united with brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at verses 1 to 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Live as you were meant to live, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. As Christians, you have so much in common with other believers. Often we focus on differences, don't we? Oh, you think that's about that area of doctrine, and you think that, I think this. And we like to focus on the differences. But if you're a Christian, you have so much in common with other believers. You've been brought into the same body of Christ. You're in God's family. You're brothers and sisters in Christ. One spirit, one Holy Spirit living within you. Just the same spirit as your brother and sis- brother or sister uh, sat next to you. One hope for the future. One Lord. You worship the same God. One baptism. One God and Father of all. Do you get the point? You've got so much in common with other brothers and sisters. Now I'm not saying, uh, before we go uh, any further into this, I'm not saying as a church it's always possible to unite with everyone who calls themselves Christians. But there should be the desire to be united as believers. You've been brought into the same family of God. And we're not going to deal with tonight who we're to unite with and who we're not to unite with. But we are going to look at the principles. We are to be united people. We've been brought into the same family of God. We've been reconciled to God. We're part of his family. How are we to be united? How can Christians be united together uh, for the gospel uh, in the Lord Jesus? Paul uh, will answer this question. Three points. How are we to be united? Firstly, God gave you gifts. God gave you gifts. Look at verse 7. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. How can you be united with each other? How can you join together with that person that sat next to you that sometimes you think, oh, they're so difficult to get on with. And there are those tensions often. We think, We're drawn to some people naturally and to others we think, I've got to get on with them and work together with them. How do we do it? Well, God gave you gifts. If you're a Christian, you have a gift from God. Every Christian has a gift from God. All of the body of Christ, everyone who's come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour, has a gift from God. That's different to those who are outside of the body. There are many natural abilities that people have in this world. Many things that people can be good at. But when you become a Christian, that gift is taken and you're to use it for the glory of God. If you're a Christian, you have a gift that is given by God. It's a spiritual gift. Every believer, every Christian has the Holy Spirit. They're gifts that are given by God, by his Holy Spirit. Some of you may be thinking, well, I don't know what my gift is. Do I really have a gift? I don't seem to be good at anything. But you do. 
You have a spiritual gift because if you're trusting Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you and God gave you gifts. It doesn't matter how old you are. The youngest believer has a gift. The oldest believer has a gift. It doesn't matter how mature you feel you are as a Christian. The Christian who's been a Christian for just a week God gives them gifts because they've got the Holy Spirit living in them. The person who's been a Christian for 40, 50 years is a spiritual gift. Wealth, education, background, it's no matter. You have a gift from God. God is the giver of those gifts. God is the giver of those gifts. Look at verse 7 again. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And speaking of Jesus Christ in verse 8, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. When you became a Christian, it was because God did a work of grace in your heart. God worked in your heart and caused, you, caused your eyes to be opened and caused you to cry out to the Lord Jesus. And just as conversion is a gracious gift from God, so when God gives you gifts, it is a gracious gift of God. It's a work of God. It's a work of the triune God, the Father who sent the Son into the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he was raised up and went back to heaven, he gave his Holy Spirit. The Trinity's involved here. God is the giver of the gifts. He supplies all you need for the ministry that he calls you to carry out. Maybe you've got a role, a ministry, a work to do for God, and you shrink back from it and you think, how can I keep going in this work? Remember, God is the one who's given you the gifts. I don't know if you've ever had the situation where you've been at work or uh, in another place, but your boss perhaps has told you, look, can you carry out this task for me? I want you to take on this role or this task. And you think, how can I do this? I don't have the right training. I don't have enough staff working for me to do this. I don't have the right knowledge. I can't. I don't have the time. I can't carry out the task that you've given me to do. Not so with God. When God says, carry out a work for me, he gives you all you need. He's given you gifts. He enables you to carry out the task. So every believer has them. God is the giver and they come through the cross of Christ. It is a gracious gift of God. Again, turn to verse 8. Speaking of Jesus, quoting the Old Testament, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. 
Jesus, when he ascended to heaven, he promised the Holy Spirit is coming and the Holy Spirit gives, uh, enables you uh, to use your gifts. It's a spiritual gift. But the Holy Spirit could not come without Jesus Christ first coming into this world, living and dying and rising again. Jesus could not ascend back into heaven and leave his Holy Spirit without first coming into the world. Jesus Christ had to come into the world to live, to die, to pay for your wrong on the cross, for you to be given gifts from God. These gifts come because Jesus came into the world, he died, he rose again, and has ascended again. Think about it. When you trust in the Lord Jesus, when you put your faith in his death on the cross, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. You can't have these gifts except through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he paid for your wrong, he dealt with your sin, he leaves his Holy Spirit to live within you, to help you complete the task that he's given you to do. It's a gift of God. Be thankful. Don't ever be tempted to think that you deserve it or the gifts that you've got are superior to anyone else's. It's a gift. Nothing in you has deserved what God has given to you. You've been given a gift from God. So firstly, how are we to be united? God gave you gifts. Secondly, God gave you different gifts. God gave you different gifts. There are certain movements uh, in this world that will say we're all equal. Well, they're right when they say that we are all equal. But then they make the mistake and say, because we're all equal, that means there's no difference between anyone in this world. There's no difference in role between anyone in this world. doesn't matter who you are, you've all got the same role in this world. Not so here. Yes, we are all equal, all loved by God. But different gifts to use, different roles to use in the church. Picture the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all equal, all fully God, but different roles in the world. God the Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, all fully God, but yet the Son submits to his Father, and yet equally God. So it is here. All believers, all loved by God, and yet different gifts, different roles in this world. Verse 11, we see different roles in the early church. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Some were apostles. Peter, Paul, they had the role of apostles. But not all were apostles in the early church. Some were prophets. Agabus, we're told, was a prophet. We read of him several times in the New Testament. But not all were prophets. Some were evangelists and were just gifted at spreading the gospel message and sharing Christ with unbelievers. 
but not all were evangelists. And he gave some pastors and teachers. Some looked after the church, looked after the flock, but not all. God gave different gifts, different roles in the early church. The picture's the body. And it's spoken of several times in the New Testament. You know, the, the idea of the body of Christ. Not everyone is a head. Not everyone's an eye. Not everyone's a hand. And you can picture it, can't you? Imagine if instead of your right hand, or if you're left-handed, instead of your left hand, you've got an eye at the end of your hand. Well, that'd be great for looking round corners. But useless for everything that your hand is intended to. Or imagine... If your heart, instead of pumping blood round the body, was you, the same as your lungs and breathed in more air, well, how would the blood get round your body? It's ludicrous to think of all the body having the same function. Well, so it is in the church. Not everyone has the same gifts. Not everyone has the same role. Everyone has different gifts to be used. If you like, picture it as a football team. If you want a different picture, some people play in goal. Some people play up front. It would be useless if the goalkeeper decided to start playing up front. The team would lose. Different roles in the same team. God gave different gifts. Look at verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. God gave pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Sometimes there's a temptation to think, well, the church leaders, the pastors, the elders, they'll do everything. No. He gave the pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. It's for the elders and the pastors in the church, the church leaders, to discern what your gift is and to say, go, use it, flourish in using your gift. It's not for them to do everything. It's for you, under the direction of the leaders, to say, I'm going to use my gift for the glory of God. The gifts that are listed here, some of them are very particular to the early church and they're all public gifts aren't they public teaching gifts apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers for many of you that might not be your gift what could it be though well maybe you've got the gift of helps you just find it easy to get alongside people and help people and help them where they're struggling get alongside them and do practical, physical needs, support them and help them. Maybe you find it easy to give. And God has blessed you with things, with money, with possessions. And you find it easy to give to the church. Maybe that's your gift and you're good at giving because God's enabled it. Maybe you've got the gift of encouragement or exhortation and you just find when you're speaking with people you're able to encourage them in the things of God and say keep going, keep living for Christ. Maybe that's you. Encouragement. 
Whatever it is, you have a gift and they won't necessarily be the same as someone else's. It won't be the same as the person sat in front of you, next to you, behind you. But you have a different gift from God. There's sometimes a tendency to see other Christians and we admire them and look up to them and think, what they're doing is amazing. I want to be just like that and seek to have the same gift. Maybe you can think of someone as you see them preach the gospel, you think, I wish I could preach the gospel like that and you seek to be the same. Well, it's not a bad thing to desire to preach the gospel well, but it might not be that you're gifted in the same area as them. Don't seek to use the gifts of other people. What are your gifts? Seek to discern and know what your gift is from God and use your gift. If you don't know uh, what your gift is, maybe you're sat there and you're thinking, well, what, what is my gift? Speak to the leaders of the church. Speak to older Christians and say, help me discern what my gift is. If you went to the leaders of the church and said, help me to understand what my gift is and how I can be used by God, They'd love it. They'd be delighted. They'd long uh, to help you to flourish and serve God in the best way you can. Pray about it. Seek to discern what your gift is and use it and thrive uh, in using your gift. So God gave you gifts. God gave you different gifts. God gave you different gifts to use. God gave you different gifts to use. And they have the same purpose. Different gifts, one single purpose. Look at verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's one purpose for the gifts that God has given you. You'll use them in different ways, but the purpose is the same. To build the body of Christ, to build the church. You're to use your gift to build the church. And as you do that, it brings unity. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of of the faith. <coughs> now I'm sorry to have to mention it here. You thought it was you were going to come and not have to hear about Brexit, but I am going to use it as an illustration. I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to make any political uh, statements as, as to my position, what your position should be. But as you look at it and you look at what's going on, it's division, isn't it? There's division. There's division. In the country, there's division in the House of Commons. Why? Well, some people are convinced that staying in the EU is best, and so they work to that end. Some people are convinced that actually it'd be best to get out of the EU without a deal, just make a clean break, and so they work to that end. Some people are convinced that Theresa May's deal is the best deal, so they work to that end. Some people are convinced we need a second referendum. And so they work to that end. 
you get the point. They've all got different purposes. Some are desperately trying to stay in. Some are desperately trying to get out. Two completely different purposes. It causes division. But in the church, your purpose is the same as the person's next to you. To build up the body of Christ. And yes, you have different gifts, but your purpose is the same. And when you all work together for that purpose, using your gifts in different ways, but with the same purpose, unity will happen for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith. How do we build, or how should you build uh, the body up? Coming to the knowledge of the Son of God. How do you build the body of Christ up? Knowing Jesus Christ better. Colossians 1 talks about it, about knowing Jesus Christ, knowing God more and more, increasing in knowledge of God. You're to use your gifts to promote knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you become a Christian, you have some idea of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. You realise you're a sinner. You realise that Christ is the only way that your sins can be dealt with. You have some knowledge of what it meant for Jesus to go to the cross. But I hope, as as you've gone through your Christian life, that you've found, as you've learnt more, as you've read more of the Bible, your knowledge of what Jesus Christ came to do, I hope it's increased and you understand more fully of what it meant for the Lord Jesus to come and take your sins upon himself. You increase in your understanding of what Jesus came to do. Use your gifts to increase knowledge of Jesus Christ. Use your gifts to encourage one another to become more like Jesus Christ. Verse 13, And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Use your gifts to help others, to spur others on, to say, come on, be more like the Lord Jesus. Deal with sin in this area of your life. Look to the Lord Jesus in this area of your life. Use your gifts to help others become more like Jesus Christ. Use your gifts so that others can know truth. That we should no longer be children, verse 14, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Use your gifts so that others can know truth can be sound can know what the bible teaches and can stand on it and say no this is what the bible teaches the picture here is of a small ship in a huge storm and when the storm the wind blows from the west the ship is carried off that way and when it changes and blows from the east the ship is carried off the other way but picture a rock in the same sea a great rock standing there. When the wind blows in one direction, the rock's unmoving. When it blows from the other direction, 
the rock is still there. It's not carried about, whichever way the wind is blowing. People will come up with many new ideas, many new ideas about who Jesus Christ is, about who God is, about what Jesus came to do, about what the Bible teaches. Use your gifts so that others know what the Bible does teach. And so when people from outside say, no, this is what God is like, no, this is what Jesus is like, when it's anti what the Bible says, when it's against what the Bible says, the body, the believers, they'll be able to say no and stand strong and stand firm on what the Bible teaches. Use your gifts to help others know what is right, know what is true. And use your gifts to promote love. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Promote love. Paul prays for the Philippians, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Promote love. Use your gifts so that others can love God more, can love Christ more, can love each other more. Use your gifts to promote love for God and love for each other. How do you do it? Well, maybe your gift is encouragement. Encourage them. Encourage people in the things of God. Encourage them in the scriptures. Get alongside them and spur them on and say, come on, let's keep going together, seeking to live for the Lord Jesus. Maybe by giving, you're able, uh, you're enabling others to speak the truth and to teach others. Whatever your gift is, you're to use your gifts for these things to, so that people might know Jesus more, so that people might become more like Jesus, so that people know truth more, and so that love is promoted in the church. And together, when everyone in the local church uses their gifts, the church is built up and the body is edified. Look at verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Every part does its share. If this church... If this body, local body of Christ, is to function as it should, every part must do its share. If you're a Christian, if you're trusting in Christ, the church here needs you. They do. Because every part must do its share. And if you're a Christian and you're not using the gift that God has given you, not only are you harming yourself, but you're harming the body of Christ that God has saved you into. It's when every part does its share, the local church grows. Grows in love for God, in love for the Lord Jesus. So are you using the gift that God has given you? You have a gift. 
are you using it to build the church up? I urge you, find out what your gift is. If you think, I don't know what it is, find out. Speak to people, speak to older Christians, to elders, to leaders, and say, help me discern my gift and help me to use it. Find out what your gift is. And will you commit today to say, from this day, I'm going to seek to know what my gift is, and I'm going to seek to use it for the blessing of others, for the blessing of the church, that the church might grow together. I'm going to use my gift to bless the church. Will you commit to using your gift to bless the body of Christ, the people for whom Christ died? Let's sing together. Uh, Close uh, by singing 830. 830. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. And it speaks of taking every part of us that God might use all of us uh, for his work. Let's stand uh, and sing together.